Okay, so here we are. We're in the book of Acts, and we're in the 8th chapter returning there. We'll be there one more time next week. Um, this is the ongoing encounter with one of the, uh, what we sometimes refer to as the deacons of the church. His name is Philip. And he had a real heart for being obedient to God and moving out in uh, sensitivity to God's prompting and went to just start sharing the word. He was a part of the group that was scattered. I'm going to break in verse 9, Acts chapter 8, break in in verse 9 and read down through verse 24. <clears throat> now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. <clears throat> he boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to, to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered him, Give me your money. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. That's not what it says, does it? <clears throat> uh, Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. We'll stop there. This is uh, the first of uh, several, I guess what we would call power encounters, the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, and conflict. And so when those two kingdoms collide, there's usually some sparks and fireworks that go on. And, and uh, it has important to understand what that's all about. But it's not the last time we're encountering uh, something of the, of the dark side of the, uh, the demonic, uh, satanic realm. And the thing that struck me about this passage is that there's some language that's used there to describe Simon 
as one who believed in Jesus. And yet there was some stuff going on in his head and in his heart that probably would call into question, what, what did he really believe? What was that all about? And so I, uh, this message I've titled, When Faith Falls Short. There are people in our world who, who try to cobble together uh, an approach toward God that takes a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they want to try to have a religion or a faith that's convenient but doesn't radically alter their world too much. Um, it's kind of like I, I've used the phrase sometimes that a person can go from preaching to meddling when they start to talk and they get down on issues. And there are times when people don't want to be meddled with. I, I, I like my world. I like my order just the way it is. Thank you very much. I have $2 worth of God and that's all I want. And that's tragic, but that often is what happens in our world. So that, so much so that when, when there are organizations that do studies and reports about Christianity today, uh, the things that they discover are, are, are alarming. That almost that there's no, no measurable difference between people who profess to be Christians and those who don't in terms of lifestyle or behavior or beliefs or practices. We have, and you've used the phrase, or we've used the phrase, you've heard it before, where we talk about the dumbing down of Christianity. Um, there's a phrase that I use sometimes that I think is probably as appropriate when we talk about it being Christianity light. Now, this is, this is Super Bowl weekend. So you're going to get inundated with beer commercials, probably. There might be the Budweiser horses. Prancing. I, I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're going to do, but you know they came up with a long time ago, and because because Budweiser apparently was a lot of calories, they came up with Bud Light. Yeah, so there's fewer calories. It's still probably not good for you, but probably not. But at any rate, but but that's 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 a, that's another whole another kettle of fish. But the, the point is that the thought, if they could just make it light, might be a little bit more appealing. I think Christianity light is like that. We want just $2 worth of God, and that's all I need. Thank you very much. And I'll just order my own private world. The message of the gospel is not a matter of you telling God what you want in life. It's a matter of you listening to what the claims of Christ are on your life and then bringing your life into alignment to his marching order. God is God. I am not. That much I know. And I think we need to be people who understand that. When we run into this kingdom of conflict here with Simon the sorcerer, or someone who's called him Simon Magus, which is literally the word that's used to describe him, Simon the magician, we get our word magi. Remember those those guys that came from the east and, and we get our word magician from that same kind of thing. Simon was involved in some stuff that was on the dark side of life. Now, I could, I'm not here to try to take the time to prove to you that evil exists and that Satan is a formidable foe. I'm going to assume that. 
whether you believe it or not is another issue, but I'm, I, I'm coming in with, with that assumption. And, and I, it, there are places in this world that are very dark. And when you go into them, you can almost sense the evil that is there. And it doesn't have to be over in Africa somewhere. It can be down around the corner in Wilkesbury. It's that darkness kind of thing. It's the presence of the evil one in, in the multitude of different ways. It was the case here as they go into Samaria. Philip goes down and he encounters a guy by the name of Simon. So let me look. Let me look on, on this issue for a minute. When faith falls short. First, faith falls short when it is inauthentic. When it's inauthentic. There's a word for you. I was I was thinking if I if I had uh, anybody have a hundred dollar bill on him. You wouldn't give it to me anyways, you know, if you're in your right mind. But but I was thinking, you know, if I had a if I had a counterfeit hundred dollar bill and I gave it to you, that'd be fine until you realized that it wasn't genuine. It was not authentic. And so you can't buy anything with it. You can just get into trouble with it, uh, particularly if you have a whole basement full of them that you've been printing off on your own printing press. But don't don't, don't huh? no, that's right. Oh, I've got a million. Okay, I said that's. I've seen that one before too. There's a. There's another one. Uh, but the point is that it, 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 there's a. There's something that's genuine, and there's something that's the counterfeit, which is authentic and inauthentic. Here, this faith, unfortunately, was inauthentic, and because of that, it falls short. Go down to verse 13, and it's an interesting description that after he encounters Philip along the way. <clears throat> It says, Simon himself believed and was baptized. And yet he still held on to some stuff from his past, or it held on to him, that, that caused the whole question to be raised, is this faith real? Is it genuine? The last thing I want to do in this kind of topic is cause you to <coughs> to question, well, is my Christianity real? That's not a bad thing, but I don't want you to get obsessed on that. I want you to really dig to the word and find the answers on that. But there are enough portions of scripture, and I include some of them here. You can dig them out later, uh, that talk about where faith isn't really true faith. It's, it's centered in something else. For instance, the passage in John 2 says that when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Interestingly, that Philip's story does the same kind of thing. <clears throat> but Jesus did not trust himself to them because he knew all men and needed no one to bear witness of man, for he himself knew what was in man. Luke 8.13 says the ones... Oh, this is a parable of the soils when the, when the seed was scattered. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root, and they believe for a while in a time of temptation fall away. It seems like it doesn't take. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 15 says, Paul says, I preach to you the gospel which you receive, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold it fast unless you believed in vain. <coughs> so there's the possibility 
that someone can give mental assent to content, doctrine, teaching, whatever it may be, but it may not alter their world, their life. They just view it as something that intellectual Christianity is all about. You, you just you believe something. I, you know, I believe in whatever. It is possible that a person's faith can fall short when it's not genuine, when it's not authentic, when it is, in fact, inauthentic. <coughs> there is a faith, the scriptures would teach us, that is not saving faith. And I think we've got to always take a look at that for our own journey. Are you in the faith? Is, is that work that you are professing genuine? Is it something that has been changing, and is it changing your life? There is faith that falls short when it's inauthentic. Falls short. Faith falls short when it's misplaced. Is the second point. <coughs> the end of verse 13, the scriptures say, And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. It was the fancy glittery thing that caught his attention. It was the, it was the externals. It was the visible stuff that uh, he had a great deal of interest in because it was the area in which he trafficked. And that was the thing that caught his attention. His faith was misplaced in that it was put into the signs and miracles. Verse 18 says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me that ability. We know from the story here at least some level of information about Simon, that he was a sorcerer. And so that meant that he dealt with the supernatural, supernatural power before he ever heard about Philip and the preaching of Jesus Christ. He used his magical arts, the scriptures tell us, for a long time in Samaria and amazed the people. He knew real power when he saw it. The, the power of the enemy, the power of evil, is very real. He can, he can cause healings to occur. He can cause uh, possessions to occur in the lives of people to do different things or to do supernatural things or, or to have influence and power before, before others, before men. Simon knew that from his own journey and experience. He knew that power is real, but he also saw that the power that Philip had was stronger than his. He was ready to switch sides. He, he, could, he knew it, but he wanted to go the other side. But the object of his faith was in those signs and wonders. And that's what he believed. He believed that Philip was a real miracle worker, and there was real power there, and he didn't doubt that. He wasn't a skeptic. He wasn't saying, I don't believe in anything of this. The supernatural stuff. I don't believe that. He was ready to leave his own magical arts to join Philip and use that new power. There's a couple things I want you to pay attention to. First is this. Sometimes we can get enamored with the external of evidence and miss the internal of the working of God. Sometimes the, 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 the big splash gets all our attention. But it's not the external so much as much as the internal working of God that is important in terms of the Christ life and uh, Christianity. Sometimes 
people can get converted but not be regenerated. That's one thing that I think we have a hard time handling. We say, well, they, but they, you know, you can talk about family members, you can talk about people that have gone to the church in the past, and somehow they seemingly turn their back and walk away. And so my goal, my object, my purpose in life is not to assess whether they're born again or not. Whose job is that? That's God's. So don't mess with his work. All I can do is try to look at a person's life, see the fruit of it, and let God be the one who ultimately makes the call on that. I've, I've had funerals for people over the course of years, and there, for some folks, it's just, you just don't know if they really got it, if they really get it. And ultimately, God is the one that has to deal with all that. He holds us responsible for the truth that we've got and what we've done with that truth. But sometimes people can make an external change but not really experience the internal reality of life change in the person of Christ. We settle for amazement when God calls us to attainment. We, to attain the Christ, to obtain him. And we settle for the things that are all bright and splashy. It is a faith <clears throat> that is misplaced. It's in the wrong thing. It's in the externals. It's in the bells and whistles of things. Interestingly, in this particular account, he uses the word amaze three times. In verse 9, he says that Simon had amazed the nation of Samaria with his magic, with his sorcery. In verse 11, he says again that Simon amazed them for a long time. <clears throat> then in verse 13, after Philip shows the power of God, he says, and seeing the great miracles performed, he was amazed. In other words, Simon had been producing in the Samaritans by his sorcery what he'd been producing there. He now saw and was beginning to experience when he saw Philip's miracles, namely amazement. And it's more than amazement. It's got to be a change, a, a change of heart, change of life that occurs. Amazement at supernatural powers is not saving faith. Believing that supernatural power is present and being amazed by it so much that you want it is not an experience of true faith. There's a faith that falls short when we, when we get it focused in the wrong thing, when it's inauthentic, when it's in the wrong thing. There's a, there's a hymn by A.B. Simpson. I just put the title of it up there. <clears throat> you can check it out if you want, but I know you probably won't, so I'm going to give it to you. So, But, but he, he captures it at the heart. He says this, Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is his word. Once his gifts I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. Once twas painful trying, now tis perfect trust. Once a half salvation, now the uttermost. Once twas ceaseless holding, now he holds me fast. 
once was constant drifting, now my anchor's cast. Once was busy planning, now tis trustful prayer. Once was anxious caring, now he has the care. Once was what I wanted, now what Jesus says. Once was constant asking, now tis ceaseless praise. Simpson never wrote a short hymn. Two more verses. Once it was my working, his it hence shall be. Once I tried to use him, now he uses me. Oh, the difference. Once the power I wanted, now the mighty one. Once for self I labored, now for him alone. Once I hoped in Jesus, now I know he's mine. Once my lamps were dying, now they brightly shine. Once for death I waited, now is coming hail. And my hopes are anchored safe within the veil. And the chorus of that that I didn't give you was, All in all forever, Jesus will we sing. Everything in Jesus and Jesus everything. That song probably was echoed in this place a long time ago, maybe, when they used hymnals, uh, but, but because it was accessible. But you don't, you don't have, that's part of the tragedy of things these days. You don't get these songs. You don't get these words, but that's the heart of it. It was placed in the person of Jesus Christ himself. And that's where it's got to be for you, for me. Finally, one piece. Faith falls short when it misses the heart of the matter. Go down to verse 21 through 23. You, where, where Peter and John come down and they, they hear the working, the, the word of God is received in Samaria, and they go down, uh, I'm sure probably to check, check it out and make sure everything was according to Hoyle. Uh, that things were going well and it was right. Uh, and, and they get there and, and they're delighted and they discover that they have not, <clears throat> uh, they have not had any instruction about the Holy Spirit. They haven't received the Holy Spirit. Down in verses 15 and 16, when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then and they placed hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now that's a whole, that's a whole nother sermon in there, man. That's a that's a and I'll probably we'll probably come around on it because there are some other places in the Book of Acts where the Holy Spirit comes, and it, it's like you got it at Pentecost, but but it takes a while to thoroughly get caught by the rest of the church. So. You can call us what you want, call it a second Pentecost, call it, you know, whatever. But it's, it's, it's the practical infilling of the Holy Spirit that comes upon these people, and they get it. They just, and the Spirit of God comes. Simon sees that, and he makes this most inappropriate response. Down in verse 21, Peter answers him and tells him, Your money perish with you, verse 21. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Faith falls short when it misses the heart of the matter. Uh, faith is more than just, I believe this content. I believe in the Apostles' Creed or these statements of faith. 
Faith is more than just intellectual assent. It is a commitment of your life to the truth of God's word that produces a regenerative change in your heart. And you are changed in position. You are moved from darkness to light. Here the, the, the claim is that your heart is not right before God. Repent of that wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he'll forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you're full of bitterness, captive to sin. It's interesting that the language of verse 21, you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right. Literally means your heart is not straight before God. There comes a point where we've got to get something straight. We use that phrase. We use that phrase, don't we? You know, look, get it straight. Get it right. Get it straight. And that's what we've got to do in terms of this faith that is anchored in the person of the Christ. It confirmed the, the early tradition of the church that later on, as you, after the scriptures are written, there are historical records that are, that are in, that are existent. It's confirmed by the entire tradition of the early church that says Simon went on to become a heretic and not a true Christian. Uh, writers Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Jerome, church fathers that that had a history after the book of Acts. And so uh, this, is, this wouldn't be inspired, but this is the record that they've got. It associates in church history Simon with heresy and involves him and in, 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 uh, accuses him, identifies him as an enemy of the Christian faith. We have a word that we actually use and that has come, been coming to use where we call simony. Simony, which means buying and selling church offices. Uh, there's unfortunate bad history in the early church, uh, the Roman church, of, of its abuse or even its use, where they felt if they could purchase something, they, they would try to do that. Simon was what John Wesley, for a period of his life, was. John Wesley was like a Simon. He said, he said I was an almost Christian, almost Christian. A man who believed but had no changed heart. A man whose faith was superficial superficial and intellectual. It is possible. It is possible for men and women to come to a Christian and Missionary Alliance church and not understand the importance of being born again by the power of the Spirit of God. You can, you can come in. You can just be a good person. You can be a moral, upstanding, upright guy in the community. You can be involved. You're not involved in anything illegal, immoral, unethical. And think that just by going to a church, it doesn't make a difference what the name is. I mean, pick a church up there. There was a Methodist church down here. There's a Calvary church that way. There's, there's a various ethnic Catholic churches in the area. It doesn't make a difference. People go into those churches and think that if they just try to live a good life, that's all they need to do. And they put their faith in the faith instead of their faith in the Christ. And that's a danger. And all I would call you to today is to realize that that possibility can exist. And so you and I need to be certain that our faith is genuine. 
not inauthentic. That our faith is is based in the person and work of Christ, the completed work of Christ on our behalf, not in what I do. You can go and serve in the mission your entire life and still not be part of the kingdom of God. Certainly that's a practical humanitarian kind of act indeed. That's wonderful. Not minimizing that one bit. But the important piece is that your faith be be based in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always remember that God is the one who knows our hearts and he judges justly. And we trust that to him. But be sure your faith is authentically anchored in Jesus alone and not just enamored with external experience and emotion. Allow his spirit to go to the heart of the matter with you. Open your heart wide to the work of his spirit to continue his good work in you. It's almost amazing, uh, alarming at least to me, that it would be possible for the scriptures to say Simon himself believed and was baptized. He did, in, in at least evidentially, the right things, but it did not transform him. His heart was still not right before God. The, the, the story here is simply a reminder to us Um, of the importance of getting this faith matter right and allowing the work of God to be done in your heart. Uh, I don't know. know, We were reminded we've been coming here almost a year now. And it was mid-March, so we're, you know, six weeks away from being here a year. And, and I've gotten acquainted with many of you, some more than others, you know, maybe. But I, when you walk out of this place, I don't know what you do. I, I don't know what you're like to live with or work with. And in, in one sense, I, 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 hear, I have that concern or heart. But ultimately, that's something that you are responsible to God about. And I could probably sit and say, well, I think that so-and-so, I don't know. If if I was grading you, I was, you know, grading your paper, (laughs) I would have made out. That's not my job. But to remind you of the importance of having your faith in Jesus alone is. And so that's the purpose of today. Don't let your faith fall short by putting it in anything else than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is the one who can save you and me. Uh, one of the songs that we sang, oh, we're going to do that uh, again, is, uh, is the Break Every Chain. Uh, and and it was all, the music was all good today. But that, that song was very helpful because... Simon needed to have some chains broken, but they didn't get to the heart for him. So uh, we're going to sing that as we close. And uh, just if there are things going on in your world that are chains that are holding you, stuff from the past that you need to be breaking free from, then I know the person who we need to come to.
and his name is Jesus, and he's able to break the power of every chain that may even yet be holding you back. So let's worship him together. We stand together with us as we close and as we worship. If there are things that are still holding on to us that need to be broken, if there are past amusements or activities or things that mean more to us than you do, we want to simply bring them to the cross of Christ wherein that power to break those chains exists. So, searcher of hearts, I suspect you might just keep echoing in our hearts and minds, even in this week ahead, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Thank you for your faithful ministry of the Holy Spirit of God to bring truth to us and now help us to make appropriate response. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity of the day. Pray your blessing upon this people. As they've entered to worship, now as they exit to serve you, use them for the greater glory of God. In the strong name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, we pray. All God's people say, Amen, amen. and Amen. Go in, your, go in His grace. Greet one another as you go.